Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Welcome to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hi, I'm Lewis Adams, a partner in Hydrogen Struggles Mexico City office and a member of the Industrial and CEO and Board of Directors Practices in Latin America. I work with clients across infrastructure, power, oil and gas, manufacturing, chemicals, engineering, and not least automotive. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Luis Lozano, president of Toyota Mexico. Luis is in charge of legal, government and industrial affairs, corporate communications and compliance activities for Toyota in Mexico. Luis is also a member of the executive and audit committees. Thank you for joining us today, Luis. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Great. Well, to kick off this conversation, Luis, can you share your career journey and why you made the moves that you have and some key influences in your career decisions? Sure. Thank you so much. Well, it's been a ride, obviously, to get to the position in which I am. I started off being a corporate attorney. I studied law in Mexico City, and then I was a member of several law firms. And uh, I was practicing law in the corporate fields, mergers and acquisitions and contracts and so on. And one of the things that I, you know, started thinking about is that I did not understand how the decisions of the business were being made. I was, as all lawyers or many, many lawyers, just focusing on the wording of a specific clause. But I was not realizing why that clause was needed or why was that contract needed. So what was the business purpose of a decision that was creating that contract? So I decided, and back then I was working in Baker and McKenzie, I decided to do a MBA, which was not a common thing to do for lawyers back then. I was supposed to get the scholarship from the uh, firm and they were going to pay for my master's degree when I told the partners meeting that I was going to do an MBA in Europe. They said, no, this is scholarship is only given to those that study a master's in some legal matter. And we want you to go to the United States. So it was a big decision then because from the idea that I was going to not have to pay from my own account, the master's in Spain, where I started in the Instituto Empresa, I had to somehow regroup, I had to sell my car, sell my things and decided to go to Europe then. I studied the MBA and I think that's one of the best decisions I've made in my life. Baker and McKenzie lost me forever and I didn't go back to them because of that. When I came back into Mexico, once I had my MBA, I was hired by another law firm that was the law firm of a new automotive company in Mexico back then in 2003, which was Toyota. Basically, they hired me to handle all Toyota matters as an external attorney. I started working with Toyota. I was in the same building as a matter of fact. And then as the business grew, Toyota asked me if I could join them formally within the company. As you said, in charge of the legal department first. And then I started growing and started acquiring new responsibilities within the company. I created a bigger area. I somehow also was able to foresee 
all the operations of Toyota in Mexico because there were two companies, a manufacturing company and a sales company. I joined the sales company, but I always thought that it was a bad idea to have the two companies separated as if we were a state of the United States rather than a country. So I pushed for the creation of a holding company, which is a company that I preside. And this holding company, then, you know, we moved all the operations of Toyota below this holding company. And therefore I have this consolidated responsibility of all the operations of the Toyota companies in Mexico. And I think those were kind of a big decisions that I had to take during this journey. Specifically, people that influenced me a lot. As a matter of fact, I just bumped yesterday into one of the partners in Baker and McKenzie, Luis Luis de Velasco, who was kind of the first person that, you know, if I was kind of a sculptor, he was the guy giving the first hits with a hammer. And I consider him to be the 60% of my formation as a professional. Very grateful for his participation in my professional career. I think that other people that were very relevant for me were a president of Toyota, Adolfo Hegevich. He introduced me to the automotive business and he directed me to what's relevant in the automotive business, what should I be looking for and why companies such as Toyota should be concerned about being the most respected company everywhere we are. And he gave me the DNA and the cultural values of the company. And I think those two guys are probably the most important influences that I've had in my professional career. Yeah, that's fascinating. And thanks for sharing that. Clearly you made some bold decisions early on in your career, which have paid off and had the vision around the consolidation of the legal entities in Mexico and the fortune of support of some of these key individuals that you've mentioned. And I guess it ties into the next question well, as I'd love to explore your leadership through transformation currently taking place within the industry. So where we're moving from traditional automotive to more broader mobility, can you share what you see as the biggest opportunities and challenges you see the industry undertaking over the next five years, whether it's related to AI, electrification, and then the other points that are impacting the industry? Well, thank you so much for the opportunity of responding to this, because I think if there's something I'm passionate about is exactly the future. And I am, I guess I'm a leader that focuses a lot on the future. And I've always had the ease of trying to see things in the long term, number one, and from a bird eye standpoint of view, that's one of uh, styles that I have as a leader. And therefore being able to do that in the position of president in such a relevant period for the automotive industry is for me a privilege. And with a company as Toyota, it's a double privilege. The automotive industry as we know it is going to be transformed. I always say that if you see the top 10 companies of the automotive business today and fast forward in 10 years, you will see that those companies will change significantly. There will be at least six companies that will not be there and that will change their operations, absolutely. And I'll try to explain regarding that. The automotive business is moving in towards mobility, as you mentioned. What means mobility? What does it mean? And really, nobody has a straight answer. What we think mobility may mean for Toyota is we think that people that can move or things that can move or 
within a room, a street, or within a country, or within the world, has freedom. And by being free, you can move, and therefore, you could be happy. And happiness is the last objective of Toyota in terms of the process of mobility. Now, that's very broad. So trying to, you know, kind of land things as our activities will be moving, there's a concept that we call CASE. And it stands for some issues that I'll explain. The C in case means connectivity. Right now, cars are hardware. They're not software. So it's like if Apple sells the iPhone without any content on it. So there's a huge opportunity for the automotive industry to create content within that hardware that we already make. And therefore, we're working on establishing apps that you will be able to download in your car and that will be providing additional services or additional privileges from the purchase of your car. So as an example, potentially in the future, you will be able to download an app that can park your car automatically. So your car will leave you in the door of a mall and the parking lot is full. You will touch a button and then get out of the car and the car will go and park itself in the nearest place and will come back to you at a certain point. So it's like a personal concierge or valet service. That's just one example. The other example could be, you know, it could, you can increase your, the horsepower in your car through an app. And you say, I'm going to go, you know, in the highway for a road. I want a little bit more speed and therefore I want more throttle and you'll get the app and the app will be able to liberate some more throttle for your car. That's kind of the examples that you get from the connectivity portion. Of course, it also connects with streets, connects with other cars. And in that sense, safety is a very relevant item. Cars will be able to repel themselves before colliding. And it gives a lot of opportunity in terms of what we see for the future. Now, that's a C. The A means autonomy. And we have all heard about the autonomous vehicles and the autonomy in vehicles. The approach that Toyota has regarding this is that anything that we do or the machine can do, including robots, cars, or whatever we're talking about, should be to help and assist the human. So there's people that see the future and they dream by saying, I'll be able to get into my car and not drive and read. But the other types of people, myself included, that like to have driving. So therefore, you'll be able to decide when you use the autonomy or when you don't use it and the level of autonomy. So that's another exciting thing that's coming in the future. The S in case stands for sharing. And the reason for that is because the kind of ownership of vehicles and the mobility for the future is in question. There's several cities and several societies today where young people don't want to buy a car. So therefore, we have to understand that our transactions and our interactions with our future customers has to have a wider range of way for them to use the mobility. So they could be renting for short-term lease, could be a possibility that you could get into a parking lot with your phone and ask if there's an available car for you in that parking lot, and it will confirm to you that that's the case. You will then push a button and say, I'd like to rent a car for the next couple of hours. And then there's going to be a QR coming into your phone. You show the QR to a detector in the car. The car will open and you can start the car, use it, and then drop it in the airport or drop it in another parking lot. That's the things that we will be seeing for the future. So from 
purchasing to that, there's a very ample range of possibilities for the ownership. And then we have the E that stands for electrification. And electrification is probably the most discussed situation and circumstance within our industry right now. And the way we see it in terms of Toyota, we believe that we should focus on why are we electrifying? And the fact that we're electrifying is because we want to reduce the CO2 emissions. We want to get into carbon neutrality by 2050 as a company. So therefore, the technologies that we are providing to our customers, which are hybrid electric vehicles, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, battery electric vehicles, and fuel cell vehicles, which are hydrogen vehicles, for the future, have that purpose of reducing the CO2 rather than for us the discussion of electric or not electric is in reality a bad or a false dilemma. In reality, what we need is whatever it takes to reduce CO2 for the future and the way to do it in the fastest way, in the most efficient way, and in the best manner possible for every other society. Now, this concept, Louis, is very relevant. And I was referring to you in terms of the list of participants in the industry that you see today and the ones that you'll see in the future. And that's why I tell you that it'll change because each one of those concepts will be very complex to deliver globally. Not every company will be able to do that. There are companies that have already expressed that they will only sell battery electric vehicles for the future. Well, that means that you will not be able to be a global company because not all, you know, Africa will take a while for electrification. Country like Mexico will take a while for electrifying. So therefore, those decisions impact and will impact this outcome of global companies. But Toyota's view of multi-technological approach, depending on country and customer preference, I think will guarantee that we will be in that list that I tell you in 10 years. For sure. And, you know, the complexity you mentioned is just so enormous that it must create a lot of, you know, leadership challenges as well for the organization. So what do you see the leadership skill sets and capabilities that will be critical as you lead through all of this transformation and navigating some of these disrupting factors in the industry? Well, one of the factors that I think it's a risk for companies such as Toyota, which are so established, is that so we obviously have a traditional business. And that traditional business is very relevant because that traditional business, it's what's going to finance the progress towards the future for a mobility company. But that requires a structure that right now may not understand that they're working towards the future. And that's one of the struggles that we find. So we need to think of ambidextrous companies where part of the company will still work in for the present and for the profit of the present. And at the same time, you need another structure thinking about the future and spending the money that the traditional part of the business is creating. And that generates a lot of conflict within the organizations. So first thing that I think is that we need to move on to have a more dynamic organization. And in that sense, I think we have to develop the middle part of the structure, organizational structure of our companies. I love a military kind of philosophy and strategy. Wars are won by sergeants, not by generals, because the sergeants are in the field and taking those decisions. So we need to enforce the sergeants 
the sergeant situation and the sergeant imposition. That's going to be crucial for this kind of transformation. And in that sense, we need to give them more information. We have to give them more transparency. And we have to give them more power to take those decisions. We have to get rid of bureaucracy in terms of company, which is by being a big company, that's a huge risk. However, we need to become more agile, more flexible, and move with more ability because disruption comes very fast, as some historic companies have learned in a bad way. And I do think that we need to be disruptors within the company to disrupt the rest. And finally, I think from the leadership standpoint of view, Toyota has to be more aggressive rather than defensive. And that's one of the things that I push for with my position towards my bosses. And something I always tell them, we need to be more aggressive. We need to lead the change rather than wait until something makes us change. And that's the view that we need for being successful in terms of the transformation. Absolutely. And we've seen it in other sectors, particularly in traditional sectors that are impacted by big social change or environmental change, say the oil and gas industry and automotive in a similar way needs to be more proactive in terms of how it positions itself. And I guess you're seeing that with Toyota. Changing the tack a little bit, as I mentioned in the introduction, your president role is responsible for a wide variety of functions, public affairs, including legal and compliance, government and regulatory affairs, communications, corporate social responsibility, customs and trade compliance. When attracting talent into these different functions, what types of leaders are you looking for? And given all of the transformation you also discussed, are there specific skills and competencies you are finding to be critical when seeking senior leaders for today and tomorrow? First, I would like to say that I think that we need a very diverse view from the people that we're hiring, meaning we need people that have different backgrounds, different sex, have different preferences, because I think that the diversity is enriching for a transformation. Because as you have more points of view on a specific topic, I think you'll be better off to take the wisest decision. That's number one. Number two, I like strong leaders. By no means, I know everything. And by no means, I am accurate with every single decision I make. And therefore, I like people that fight me back and that have their own opinion and that they are strong with that. And sometimes I will concede, sometimes I won't. But I think it's enriching to have strong leaders within the company that protect the company. They work for the company. They don't work for me. And that's one of the other things that I do when I present myself as a leader within the company. Everyone here works for Toyota, and that's the end of the things. And therefore, as we go either in the traditional business or in the future business, we need to look for the best interest of a company. And if that goes against a decision or my decision, I would embrace it because that's why we hire this kind of strong profiles for the future. I do think that for the future, globalization will be a more relevant thing. And therefore, experience in the other countries may come very handy. And you know, from your experience here in, in Mexico, that's not the case. You may be an exception of an international member of a local firm. That's not what happens commonly. It's Mexico is a very kind of close environment. And I do think that we need to open up a little bit more in terms of our strategy. And I do also think that the leadership 
has to also understand where you're standing. Sometimes companies determine the way you're going to be organized. Are you going to be North America? Are you going to be Latin America? Are you going to be, you know, what kind of a transactional point of view? And those plans that come from corporate offices and that established may not reflect the reality of a country. So therefore, I do think that people have to have the liberty of working locally and freely in accordance with the environment they're at. In Mexico, in Toyota world, there's a word that's called Gemba in Japanese. And that means the place where things can happen. And people cannot take decisions. And that includes me, if I am not at Gemba. Gemba has always the best point of view of a situation, a circumstance, or a decision. So we have to trust Gemba to make the best recommendation. And for that, you need people to have strong and they are responsible. So again, I think that englobes my kind of a view of what we need and what we will need for the future transformation of, of mobility. Absolutely. I think that approach will be positive for Toyota Mexico in terms of you encouraging people to have a point of view and to push back and challenge and get international experience. And now hopefully with building that kind of leadership culture, we can attract the international talent that we have in Mexico that's gone abroad and bring them back to help build the future. And let me tell you something in addition. I think that we Mexicans and in general, Latin Americans, we sell ourselves very badly in global companies. But one of the best strengths that we have and that I always tell my Japanese colleagues is that we never take advantage in this period of transformation on something that we're very strong at in Mexico, at least, which is adaptability. Because we are in a changing environment constantly. Government may say one thing, do another. There's several factors that makes us change. And we're used to changing. So we adapt very quickly to change. And we trigger change very easily without a problem. And that's not the case with other cultures in which the stability of their situation can allow them to plan for long-term and also allow them to execute. But when something changes, they go crazy because they are not in control of the situation. And on that side, I think we're very good at just switching lanes and no problem. Yeah, that's a great perspective, a great way to look at it in terms of the complexities and challenges Mexico faces in general is can be converted into a competitive advantage as the world becomes more complex and volatile. That's great. And I guess following on from that and some of the points you raised, clearly being part of a global organization that's going through transformation, can you share how your Mexico strategy plays into the broader global strategic development plan in Toyota? One of the things that this transformation towards mobility is going to show every single global company is that you cannot transform globally at the same speed because the situations of Mexico will be very different from those in the UK, will be very different from those in France, will be very different from those in Japan, and will be very different from those happening in Africa. So as you transform and you go through this kind of a big process of transformation that is happening and you have to do it, you need to modulate the speeds depending on country conditions. So for example, we are part of the North American region. Electrification in the US and Canada will happen faster than for Mexico because they have the infrastructure, they have more money in terms of government, they have cleaner energy, they have several situations and circumstances, they have purchasing power different from Mexico. So 
electric cars are still more expensive than regular combustion vehicles. So by being in the same region, we are going to be separated from that kind of master plan that was made in Japan, putting Mexico within the North American region. And Mexico may look more like the Latin American region in this case, or more like Southeast Asia region. So the way I see it, and the way I've been working in the last couple of years is, I've created my own network of contacts with those markets that I think will be more like Mexico. I don't rely as much for this context in my regional headquarters, which is kind of a traditional part of a business. I don't rely with them. And some may not like it. And I have my share of uh, rebellious problems. But what I try to do is I try to create this kind of synergies because I do think that as a company moves, they will need to reallocate some vehicles. Let me put an example for that. There are markets that will go completely battery electric big. As I told you, we have a multi-technological approach. But Mexico and Latin America and Southeast Asia may be a huge opportunity for Toyota to maintain the hybrid electric vehicle market alive. And all the investments that we've made during the years will be able to amortize in these markets. So I think we are in a position to be a very interesting laboratory for Toyota as Toyota may look to the way they will be organized towards the future. So that's one of the things that I push a lot. And that's why I also told you before that local leadership and sergeants have to be more empowered to take those decisions because a global company will not be able to take global decisions on changing environments, I think. And to achieve your vision that you have about Mexico becoming that kind of innovation center and developing new ideas, are there any specific challenges you see relating to that? Those challenges are the ones that I also told you when you talk about the traditional organization. You obviously have the bureaucracy, you have the traditional business, and the traditional business may not understand what you're thinking in terms of this opening up or this looking for other options because things have been done one way previously. So you have to break those traditions, if I may, or traditional way of achieving processes within the company. And that obviously creates conflict and creates conflict between people. So as I told you, I do embrace having tough discussions with leadership regarding this. And I am in that sense, maybe a little bit rebellious within the company. Some people like it, some people don't like it. It's kind of the way we do, but I think it adds value to the company to also the point that I made before. I work for Toyota, Mexico in this case, I work for Toyota and I believe that a stronger Mexico and more agile Mexico and more independent Mexico within our organization will provide better answers to Toyota's global transformation towards the future. It's clear that from an early stage, including when you decided to do your MBA in Europe, you've taken brave decisions and continue to do so. One point maybe we can just flip back to, because I know you mentioned it in one of your previous answers, is that we know that a specific area of focus for Toyota is diversity, equity, and inclusion. In reading the Toyota North American mission statement, the president and CEO Tetsuo Teda Ogawa says that Toyota works to integrate diversity and inclusion in all aspects of our business. If Toyota wants to build the industry's best cars and trucks for the way our customers live, we need to reflect the diversity of our team members, suppliers, dealer partners, customers, and the communities we serve. 
Can you share some of the ways, I think you've touched on some already, but expand a little bit on some of the ways you and your teams are integrating and prioritizing diversity and inclusion into the business? Are there any challenges you face in Mexico specifically that would be different maybe in other parts of the world? Well, I think, first of all, we have to recognize again, as global company, that situations may vary country by country. The diversity issues in the U.S. may not be the same as the diversity issues we find in Mexico or may be different than those the Australians may have. So therefore, again, locality and decision at Gemba in terms of how you address and facilitate the path into diversity will change according to the culture of each one of the countries that you're working at. So that would be kind of my first thing. Because there's a struggle always that you have a global diverse policy and that may not be applied the same to every single country in the world. And that's one of the recognitions that we need to push back. And let me tell you that reporting to North America, we tend to have a lot of pressure from the U.S. to do the things the way they do it. But for example, racism is an issue that has been historically different in Mexico than in the United States and has had different results. And therefore, they have created different concepts of importance to take decisions within the company to kind of be or, you know, get any kind of discrimination out of your system, but also embrace being a more diverse company. Uh, But it will be different in Mexico and the U.S. That's kind of my point. So one of the things that we did is we have created our own diversity committee that we are trying to control what we believe that has to have the priorities in terms of diversity and inclusion situation regarding Mexico and separating from the U.S. kind of idea of what diversity and inclusion may be. At the end, you need to be diverse. The end is the same, but the way to achieve it and to attack each one of the topics will be different, changing from place to place. So in that sense, we've created this new DNI committee. And this DNI committee is already working within the Mexican framework of Toyota to determine which priorities will be more relevant for Mexico in the future and what are the issues that we need to work in terms of the medium term, the urgent things, and the kind of global things that we need to work on as we move within Mexico for a more diverse company and to guarantee, obviously, the rights and the obligations for anyone to work equally within the company. What the society is, is what it is. Things that will be accepted in Mexico may not be accepted in the U.S. and vice versa. So that's kind of a challenge that we need to work with. Yeah, it's adapting corporate processes to local circumstances. And obviously the diversity committee is a great initiative. Is there anything else that you're doing to attract and retain diverse talent? Anything you'd like to share? To be honest, especially no. Aside from the fact that we have a very strong approach towards diversity and for example, Mexico, you know, female inclusion in leadership of the automotive business is one of the priorities that we have because it's still kind of a very manly industry. And I think that we need to break that. As a matter of fact, big part of my reports are very, very strong, intelligent women. And, and I like to have them because they have always this strength that you and I as men don't have, which is seeing more intuitive approach or foresee for problems. So that's kind of where we are 
underlining our situation right now as a priority. It's in kind of uh, creating a strong leadership of women within the industry because Toyota wants to be the leader on that matter in, in the Mexican industry. Great. Thank you. And I guess as we bring this podcast to a close, just have one final question. What leadership skill sets and capabilities do you think will be most critical to help Toyota Mexico meet its strategic goals in the coming year? Well, I think we need to be very practical and tactical. When you're in a changing environment, tactics are very important. As a global strategy, we already know that we want to become a mobility company that provides happiness to everyone. But to achieve that in a changing environment, as I described during the podcast, I think that flexibility is one of the most relevant issues and one of the most relevant values that leadership will require. You need to be flexible, adaptable. You need to move fast. You need to be very agile. And you need to be very agile to move horizontally and vertically also. So if you make a mistake, you have to correct it quickly. And if you have to unwalk what you walked, then you do that quickly. That kind of agility will create a circumstance in which you as a company may move quickly within the change context of the situation. So I believe that there's kind of a brief story when the Carthaginians invaded Rome and Rome was very big and very fixed. And the Carthaginians dropped by with elephants. They moved very quickly. They won the war. They invaded Rome. They maintained their invasion in Rome for a while. No general could win to the Carthaginians, even though they had a bigger army. So at the end, what they did is they hired this young general, named was Scipio Africanus. And this guy thought about, instead of defending Rome within Italy, attack the Carthaginians in Spain. He changed the whole game. So therefore, by getting there with a smaller army, moving very tactically and very fast, also getting new partnerships with tribes that were within Spanish territory that knew very well the terrain and giving them and empowering these new allies, they could be able to create a very flexible situation in which they won. They attacked and they won and conquered Spain for the Romans. And then they moved and attacked the Carthaginians in Carthage. And that forced the people that were in Italy to move to defend their land. So this flexibility and disruption should be embraced because it could have very relevant results for companies like us. So that's what I would say. Fantastic. And great anecdote at the end there. Luis, it's always a pleasure spending time with you. Thank you again for speaking with us today and sharing your thoughts. Now, likewise, I recognize always your professionalism and your leadership within your industry in Mexico. And we've had a great time working with you within the industry and look forward to keep working with Hybrid Struggles. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time. Thank you.